Hey friends, thanks for joining us today for the Preacher Chick Podcast. I am your host, the Preacher Chick, Pastor Stacy. You can call me Stacy. And I am looking forward to this episode. This is the second episode of the podcast recently that I have not gotten that on time. And I just want to say I am so sorry. But I also want to say how much I appreciate the those of you who do tune in, you follow and you listen. It um, is not taken lightly that you allow me to have a voice in your life. You know, um, up, upcoming very soon this weekend starts Holy Week. And I have grown in my appreciation and love for what this week stands for um, in my life and in my walk with Jesus. And so that's what I wanna, I wanna share about today. So um, again, thanks for tuning in. I hope that you enjoyed this and let's go. This Sunday marks the beginning of the Passion Week. This is what we in the church describe the, the final week of Jesus's um, earthly life leading up to his resurrection. This is the day, this Sunday marks the day that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And it was the day that his ultimate purpose for being on earth was culminating. Now I love the verse um, from Matthew 21, nine, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that's exactly what this day marks. Now the word passion has its stem word from the Greek word passio, and that translates as suffering and enduring. And I believe both of those words definitely describe the days ahead for Jesus. The Messiah, he is the one, but many failed to see it. The Passion Week consists of the triumphal entry, the cursing of the fig tree, the clearing of the temple, most likely the times of teaching with the disciples, the Last Supper, Jesus's prayer and agony in Gethsemane, his betrayal, arrest, and trials, crucifixion, death, and resurrection. This day, the king of all creation rode on the back of a simple, lowly donkey into the city of God with declarations of praise that would quickly turn. And so looking at the book of Luke and his account in chapter 19, beginning in verse 28, it says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he, approached, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. I love that. Like you just can count on Jesus, you know, <laughs> just as he told them. Continuing in verse 33, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. 
I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it and said, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Now listen, this is all happening as Jesus enters Jerusalem and it is literally fulfilling prophecy. Look at Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, or rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. For those who knew the scriptures at this time, this should have been such a clear picture. This should have been such a clear outpouring of what the pro of what the messianic prophecies were. And, and not just this, but his entire life fulfilled a multitude of the messianic prophecies, pro, uh, prophecies that the religious leaders would have known well. But the people continually missed those things, and they missed this one. They just don't really get what's happening here. Now, where, wherever you stand on Bill Hybels, there's this quote from um, one of his messages that is still is, is a good quote. And he says, but everyone who lined the streets had a different reason for waving those palms. Some were political activists and they'd heard Jesus had supernatural power and they wanted him to use it to free Israel from Roman rule. Others had loved ones who were sick or dying and they waved branches hoping for physical healing. Some were onlookers merely looking for something to do while others were genuine followers who wished Jesus would establish himself as an earthly king. Jesus was the only one in the parade who knew exactly why he was going to Jerusalem. He was going to die. He had a mission while everyone else had an agenda. You guys, they just missed it. They missed him. They missed what was really happening the stage being set before them, the necessary pieces of the salvation puzzle being connected together right before their very eyes. But their false expectations of a physical, strong, commanding conqueror didn't match up to the humility, grace, and the mercy of Jesus. Now you take Jesus's faithful followers though, they participated in, in a special moment in time during this, this week. Um, you know, when, when, one, when a person receives prescription glasses, those glasses are only helpful if the prescription is correct, right? Like, oh, and you have to wear them. I mean, if you have prescription lenses, but you don't use them, they're really no good to you. Um, if they're not the correct prescription, it limits your ability to see. And in the same way, if we're not viewing life through the through the finished work of Jesus on the cross, and instead through our own efforts or our own perceived goodness, we are gonna lack the ability to see the God moments that are right in front of us. But if we keep our eyes open to God's work, we can literally be a part of his fulfillment of prophecy. The next part was this beautiful, humble entry of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, and it was deliberate and symbolic. And he came in on a donkey, 
he entered showing the kingdom is not of the world. His kingdom is something greater and that he didn't come to rule with force or with violence. I mean, we often think of donkeys as obstinate and stubborn creatures, right? As I was studying the, uh, and, and looking at what this week has meant and what it means for us over the years, um, I began to wonder about this perception of the stubbornness of donkeys. And I kind of looked into it. Um, here's, here's what I found about the character trait of the donkey. Um, this is from a, um, this is from a website. Oh goodness. I wish I could remember exactly where it was from. Actually. Okay. It's from animals.mom.com. <laughs> um, so I'm not saying that this is probably like, you know, 100% accurate, but I thought it was an interesting look. Um, they wrote, when a donkey plants his feet and refuses to move, we humans assume he's being stubborn. After all, he obviously knows we want him to move, and yet he resists. Our perception is that he's doing it on purpose, moving only when he wants to instead of following our instructions. According to Ben Hart of the Donkey Sanctuary in the United Kingdom, part of our perception might be based on the fact that donkeys look like horses, and so we expect them to act like horses. A donkey doesn't behave like a horse, though. When he refuses to move, he believes he has a good reason. And I love this line. His perception of the situation is different from our own. I mean, friends, how many of us have prayed and think of God in the same way? You know that like we're bringing our needs to him, but he's not answering our prayers like we thought he would or should, or that he's taking too long to speak to us and give us what we're praying about. Have you read the story in a while about Balaam's donkey? I think you should you should go read that. Um, I actually just read it a couple of weeks ago, and it's one. It just it's it's a story that gets me every time, and you can find it in Numbers. Um, and I'm reading in Numbers chapter twenty two. But it says, but God was very angry when he went and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam and was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. You guys, did you hear that? The Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you beat me these three times? And Balaam answered the donkey. This cracks me up. Like the donkey speaks and Balaam answers. Like there's not a, it doesn't say that Balaam freaked out that Balaam got really confused that Balaam wondered and questioned how this donkey was speaking. It says that the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it spoke to Balaam and Balaam answered like, I don't know about you, but if I were taking care of a donkey or riding a donkey and it started talking to me, I don't think I would just respond as if I was talking to another human. You know what I mean? 
Um, but Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I'd kill you right now. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. Guys, I don't think it's anything less than a deliberate and intentional selection for Jesus to ride in on a donkey. I mean, he sees things differently than we do, and he will dig his feet in when it comes to fighting for us. Jesus is unmovable, and he is sure-footed in his love and his sacrifice for each one of us, even you. His humble entry also shows us how we are to approach him in humility with our own righteousness tossed on the ground at his feet to be trampled so that we can't pick it up again. And instead we are clothed with his righteousness. He didn't show up in Jerusalem on a large horse or even a camel making a grand statement that would elevate him above those around him. He arrived simply and understated, but to the welcome of a king. Even though, as we have already discussed, was lost on the participating people. I mean, do, do we see Jesus for who he really is? Do, do we see the community he has placed us in as he saw the people gathered in Jerusalem? Do we weep over the people around us the way Jesus wept over the people of Jerusalem? Do we even see our city? I mean, it says right after he reaches Jerusalem that he weeps for Jerusalem. The word wept here in Greek means more than just shedding tears. It suggests like a deep sorrow, kind of the heavy sobbing of a soul in agony. Can, I'm sure you can picture that. I'm sure you can hear that or feel that deep within you. The, the heavy sobbing of a soul in agony. Jesus, who was God in flesh, shows us um, not just his own feelings, but also his father's broken heart over the spiritual lostness of the human race and their refusal to return to God and accept his gift of salvation. Friends, we need to have eyes to see in a heart that breaks like Jesus is. When we look over our city, when we look over our community, when we look into our families and we realize the weight of their decision to reject Christ, does it cause us to weep? because it should. While I was attending ministry school, one of the pastors who taught a class said to us that if we don't weep over the city where we serve, it's time to consider moving on, to ask God to either renew the burden and the call or to show us where he's leading us to next. But I believe every Christian, every Jesus follower, whether you're in vocational ministry or not, should be praying for a heart that weeps over the lost in their area of influence. I believe we need to feel the urgency to share the story of Jesus, this beautiful gospel with our family, our friends, and our neighbors, more so now than ever before. Really, how can you look at the world around us and not, not sense the, not sense the gravity of the situation that we're in? I think we need to be willing to share the gospel with the cashier at the grocery store, or the mechanic changing, you know, your oil in your car, or even the outcast that no one else seems to be interested in. I think we need to let the lostness, the desperation of a world searching for answers cause our hearts to break and our eyes to weep tears of sorrow and longing for their salvation. One of my favorite quotes that I've used many times in sermons and my blog 
is by Charles Spurgeon. And it says, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. I know that you look around your world, your corner of the world, the same way I look around mine. And there are many in need of a savior, many in need of a Jesus who rides in on a donkey and loves them more than they could ever imagine, that loves them so much that he endured the journey to the cross and the grave. You may already know this love, and if you do, friend, you have the charge to share that love with others. I do pray that none of us would fail to simply ask God to help us not miss what he is doing or wanting to do in and through each of our lives. Let's not be like those on the street leading into the city who get caught up in the emotion that we miss the truth right in front of us. Can I encourage you as we approach this Holy Week, the Passion Week, as we approach this season of the ultimate sacrifice, but also the hope of the resurrection, would you pray and ask God to help you see the community you're in through the lens of the heart of Jesus, that you would be broken, but also strengthened to be his voice to those around you? Hey friends, thanks for joining us today for the Preacher Chick podcast. I am your host, the Preacher Chick, Pastor Stacy. You can call me Stacy. And I am looking forward to this episode. <laughs>